that happened between having started traveling or a will to live and explore different places out of, oh, this is cool and I want to have done it to then going onto an idea of, I want to suck up everything from here and once it's sucked dry, I need to go. So it's kind of, it was kind of, <laughs> you know, a yearning for learning. Welcome to In Between. The quote you just heard is by Jason Aniron Round with whom I had the pleasure to talk with for this episode. And as he would probably say at this point in time and space, he is a movement teacher and practitioner in Bern. And for him, his movement practice has a lot to do with his geographical movement, his traveling, so to speak. And for Jason, traveling is a tool for an exploration, just as much as in his movement practice, his body is a tool for exploration as well. And his movement practice is going to feature in this episode as well a little bit, uh, trying to bring it a bit closer to people who don't know about it. It's a physical practice, but it uh, stays between different disciplines. So it's not just dancing, not just martial arts, not just uh, parkour. It is a practice which, to him, is simply concerned with exploring the physical movement potential and learning from the lessons it brings. If you feel, after having listened to the episode, that you might need a little bit like a visual impression, I recommend you to check out Jason's Instagram page, Move More MP, where you can check out some of his videos, click on his link and see what's all about with this movement practice. And Jason is a friend of my boyfriend. I've always heard a lot of good things about him, heard about his, how eloquently he speaks and I got to experience that myself. And I've heard how he has lived in so many different places, how he managed to dive in really in every place he lived in learning the language to a certain extent which is also why I'm always very impressed with his Swiss German and like finding his way around and whenever I met him in Zurich I had the same impression that he's like moving like a fish in the water wherever he goes and it eventually happened that on one evening Jason happened to be in Zurich with some spare time and I was uh, thinking about what kind of a new episode I should be creating and uh, the two of us found together to have a conversation. And what came out of this conversation is a colorful collage of uh, partly taking Jason's travel biography as a, as a leading rope, but also kind of focusing on little clusters of topics uh, about traveling which uh, both of us found interesting to talk about. It was a, a long conversation with a lot of different directions and a part of it made it into the podcast like uh, we talked about traveling as a tool, about learning, about attachment, about living in the moment and many more things. But like a couple of other podcast episodes too, this one kind of starts with the question like, why do we travel? Or why does Jason travel? Why do I travel? And uh, for Jason, one of many answers um, he has given me while I think our whole 
talk somehow revolved around this topic uh, was the following. Um, it was just curiosity, which you know, I guess in many cases it's a type of a uh, endeavor in itself. And um, I'll be completely honest, you know, when I was you know, 17, 18, it was kind of cool to travel. And um, for me, I think it evolved as it always does. It first became this idea of I want to go to all these places. When people talk about Southeast Asia or when people talk about uh, South America, I want to be able to say, oh, yeah, and speak about my experiences and things like this. So it started as a very kind of superficial social level. And then it just continued as of that. That was really it, in all honesty. And then it was, uh, in a way, I say a habit, in a sense, was set in place of just having in my mind that this place is temporary. I come here knowing full well I do not plan to stay here externally verbalizing it and I see this change that happened between having started traveling or a will to live and explore different places out of oh this is cool and I want to have done it um this is a very very strong thing it's a, a nice um, French postmodern philosopher Jean Baudrillard and he would say people don't go to places to go there but to have been there it's a very nice idea. This is a very much where I started in the, in the initial instances to then going on to an idea of I want to suck up everything from here and once it's sucked dry, I need to go. So it's kind, it was kind of you know, a yearning for learning. Learning became more the idea. And I think this is something that, reflecting back, I think came from my father as well. He was the only one who ever told me stories about travel. He wasn't necessarily a great traveler, but he traveled, for example, to the Philippines in the 1960s, where before he left, his friends were asking him, what do they eat in the Philippines? And um, he was like, I'm not quite sure. And one person at the table said, I think they eat a lot of bananas. And my dad's reply was, I think that'll be okay. I like bananas. <laughs> so he's, you know, telling these you know, stories from, you know, if you talked about it now, it wouldn't be anything spectacular. I can get a cheap flight when at my own convenience. Um, these stories, they inspired me to see, okay, what is that? Because I was very firmly what might be called a stay-at-home child when I was younger. Quite firmly. My parents would always say we would never have believed that you would be living in another country, let alone living in different places and having a curiosity to be outside. Because the thing I used to say when I was a child, when my parents said, Jason, are you going outside? And I would say, no, I'll stay at home where it's safe. And those are my exact words. And of course, this idea of when I say curiosity, um, I think this is essentially what helped um, surpass what might have been this closed shell of uh, being a child of when I'm stay at home because it's safe to actually go now I want to go there and I'm happy to go by myself even to travel just kind of rewinding back as well I think it's not just my dad's his stories it's also of course having the culture of my mum there the Philippines that we grew up with we always visited the Philippines so I grew up and I saw a different culture that was very, very different to my own at home. It was very interesting for me to hear that uh, Jason was a stay-at-home child because I think I myself was someone who, for example, I hated to sleep in another place as a child. I always wanted to sleep at home and everyone should come and visit me, play at my home. And uh, I didn't want to go anywhere and not sleep anywhere, would feel most comfortable in my own home. 
and uh, it's very interesting like in a way I'm thinking about how we as people evolve and become so drastically different and on the other hand also as Jason already pointed out how the reasons for which we travel and the ways in which we travel also evolve with time and change. And uh, to start off, I asked Jason to uh, tell us a bit more about his own story of traveling. Where has he traveled? Where has he lived? What brought him where? And uh, what essentially brought him here today? So perhaps 10 years ago, I guess 10 years ago was uh, the first time I, I moved away um, from where I live, essentially. So I'm, I'm from the southwest of England in a small place called Cornwall. Very beautiful county, just makes you go there in the, uh, the few weeks of summer. But it is an island on an island, essentially. So growing up in this type of place in the southwest of England, um, the English mentality in many cases as well um, has this island aspect to it. My mother is also Filipino. This is also a group of islands, so I feel like what I might describe as an island mentality, which is, you know, kind of I'm here, I'm happy here to stay here my whole life. Um, even though that was there, there was a curiosity, of course, to see what else was in the world, essentially. I think for many people who are looking to explore somewhere, go out with a backpack and you know, uh, get lost in, in the, the unknown, um, that wasn't really me in, in the first place. I didn't need full-on security, but um, I did need a, a reason or something to latch onto something to connect with if I was going to travel or explore. And I was lucky to have a cousin um, who lived in Australia. So this was the first place that I actually set out by myself, which was when I was 18. And um, it was just like a, a short travel and an exploration, but that completely opened my mind to the most basic ideas of different places, which is just things like, for example, a city, because I don't come from a city. I came from a countryside place and next thing, I was in Melbourne. Yeah, just the life that was there, the things that were happening, the different types of people. This is not something that you experience in a small island mentality uh, place like I was in the southwest of England. I believed, yeah, it's just going to be like England, but it's just going to be hotter, right? I mean, but I was just so surprised. I thought it'd be very, very similar to England, um, but the values were very, very different in many cases. Yeah, it really kind of formulated two things. Uh, first, the idea of you know, what I would like to explore more in, in, in the future and this idea of living in different places. And um, secondly, also the amount that there was to learn um, from just placing yourself into a completely unfamiliar context. After that first trip to Australia, Jason went back to England for a whole of four years where he studied where he also enjoyed uh, a typical backpacker trip to Southeast Asia and uh, he was only to return to Australia after these four years to then live in Australia for a year. After which uh, Czech Republic was his next destination. I also lived in some, some other places. I lived then in um Czech Republic, because I, um, I realized that at that time, if I wanted to continue this idea of living and gaining experience by being in different places, I had to have something sustainable. And one of those things that is very accessible to a native English speaker is teaching English overseas. 
and the course that I decided to take on was just so happened to be in Prague in Czech Republic and so I ended up in Prague and then I spent almost two years there what should have been just six months and then I thought I might stay for a few more weeks and go straight to Korea and I stayed a couple of years there this kind of just happens and I actually had to pull myself away um, because it was very comfortable the kind of correlation that I found between the places I lived in is it's always it works three months and then six months um, the first three months is complete, you're just a foreigner. You're completely adjusting those first three months. You're organizing all those basic things that are just, you, you know, you only have to really go through once during your stay in this place, like getting the identification or finding a, a stable place to live, finding a job. Um, normally in the first three months, you know, you go through that very difficult period. Um, after that first three month period, there's this really nice period of when you start to find, oh yeah, this is this is where I belong. I, I'm familiar with this kind of thing here. Um, I, I, I found these new places and these new people that I'm excited to see where this leads. And then from six months, it's normally you know the six month point. You start getting into habitual stuff, and then that was for me really you know reflecting back on when I was teaching English in Czech Republic. You know after that six month period the whole next year, it kind of just played on the same note, a nice note, but it got a bit too comfortable for me. And the learning kind of dried up. And I started to realize that this was not part of my curiosity that I wanted to follow, being comfortable in a certain place. It's nothing to do with, oh, itchy feet, and I'm restless and I need to move. It was just when I stay in this place at the moment, I'm in a certain rhythm that's perfectly comfortable. And that was when I actually coined this idea, which ties into my, my physical practice and other things, which is the comfort myth. Um, the idea that the best thing to strive for is to be in a place and be comfortable and be settled. And it's nothing to do with, oh, it's better to go out and be adventurous. Of course, it's just a feeling that is. And uh, for me, it was, I had to move again. So it was perfectly timed with this preconceived plan of going to South Korea. Somehow when Jason was talking about uh, this feeling of it is getting too comfortable over here, I could very much relate with that because, again, around this question, why do we travel or why do we switch places a lot? I, I think that, of course, there is, as he said in the beginning, there's curiosity. There was curiosity for me too in many ways, but uh, there is the same feeling that I have when I stay in my native place for, I don't know, more than a year or more than a half year, <laughs> probably, that I get this feeling that it, it's too comfortable. I'm settling too much and I'm so much looking forward to going to a new place. In the last couple of years, it has mostly been India. And uh, I would very much look forward to getting new input, to experiencing things and having conversations that would shake whatever I believed so far. That would uh, give me some new ideas to digest and uh, to play around with in my head. And these kind of regular trips to a place where I knew that so many things which I believe, so many yeah, ideas with which I got already way too comfortable would be challenged every time I go there. That is something that has become so valuable for me over the years. And it's kind of also interesting how we managed to calculate this input and like to plan when do I want to have this new input but it is somehow a very a calculated way to 
to learn. And that's actually the direction in which our conversation continued, talking about uh, traveling as a tool for learning. The learning aspect of travel is something I think that you're always affected by if you're an individual who's traveling and experiencing new places and cultures, but it can also be an active involvement uh, in, I say, learning new things or approaching a place or a new experience with the intent of getting something from it. Because it's very, very possible, as I say, again, related to the ease of travel, that you can visit many, many different places, even spend time there, but take absolutely nothing away. And a lot of my ideas of learning while you're in a different um, culture or in a, you know, in a different country is tied with the perspective of neuroplasticity, um, which is you know, quite simply the brain changes itself. It evolves with experience. And just as, for example, physical practice, like my movement practice, has a huge effect on the way that um, I then interpret things in the world around me, how I associate, how I relate to people and even objects in the entire world, just as it can if you have, like, for example, a literature practice or you have a music practice or you have a dance practice, whatever that practice is, and this will inform the way that you, you, know, you think and also your ideas about the world. For me, travel... It stimulates, this is quite quintessentially, essentially what it is. It gives you a stimulation um, that you cannot escape because it's all around you. You are in that place. Everything's always going to be different. When you're there, there's more, you know, there is more activity happening in your brain. There's more stimulation. You're making more neural connections. Um, that stimulation can have a carryover as well. It's more the idea of there's so much stuff happening that... Um, your learning is just um, enhanced in a way. In the case of my girlfriend, for example, she's a, she's a dancer, um, but she also found that with all the stuff going on, with you know, applying for a, an identity card for the place, for sorting out an apartment, for finding a job, for doing your studies in another place, and then all this stimulation and the culture around you, and then um, new social relationships all around you, all this stuff is happening in your brain, and then, in your physical practice, for example, um, we noticed that we were just kind of latching onto things quicker. But what it also comes with is a lot of stress. It comes with a lot of anxiety. It comes with a lot of side effects, which is inevitably the idea of this struggle that can happen if you want to get the full experience, if you want to absorb yourself in all aspects of a new culture, a new place. But if you do choose to try and give everything and uh, adjust and uh, there is so much happening in your brain, it was actually described by one guy in um, Norman Doidge in the book The Brain That Changes Itself. Many nice ideas of neuroplasticity in here. And um, he speaks of refugees, or, well, not even refugees, but generally Im immigrants in general as well, um, when they come and live to a new place. An immigration process, he describes it as a brutal assault on the brain a brutal assault on the brain. And what he suggests is that the amount of neural activity that's happening, which is essentially a process of learning as well, that might be called, in a way, a learning by doing. The idea of you know, absorbing yourself within something so that it stimulates you so much that it just spills over into different aspects of your life as well. Interestingly, I have heard this story about the uh, 
Jason and his girlfriend being able to pick up faster in learning new languages or in their physical practice while at the same time being in a new spot and uh, having so much input. Like I've heard this story before. My boyfriend told me about it and I found it so interesting. That's why I wanted to ask Jason again about it. And it reminded me that many times, especially in India, when I felt like every day I would just fall into bed and it was just uh, immediately sleep because like somehow there were so many impressions that uh, my brain had to process and so many new ideas and inputs and the new language and so on but I was always kind of surprised of how much I was able to learn or how much capacity there was to to adapt body-wise to adapt language-wise to adapt etiquette-wise and till today I, I find this a fascinating thing and I find it interesting how Jason approaches the same thing in expressing it in a very different language. But uh, of course, I couldn't let him off the hook without uh, talking about uh, my favorite topic of uh, being in between and uh, basically his own positionality, maybe between different worlds or between the different places he has lived and uh, how he feels in all of that. Inevitably comes the question of, oh, when are you going to settle down? Or if you had to choose a place to stay for the rest of your life, where would that be? And, you know, this stuff is not on my radar. Like, it's nothing to do with, oh, no, those, I don't believe in those things or anything like that. It's more just the case of, that's not the way that I do it. That's not the way that I've been doing it. That's not to say that it won't change, but I still feel like there is always more to learn. I did find myself in this position where I, I'm just kind of really nowhere. I can float around and it was extremely liberating. In many cases, in South Korea was a good example because in South Korea, if you're a Westerner, you're firmly a foreigner. I could very firmly just be anonymous, completely anonymous, almost in a voyeuristic sense in a way and pick and choose, you know, what I could involve myself with, what I could choose to disassociate myself with. And um, in this way, I never really felt like I sat between, oh, am I English or am I Filipino? Or how do I kind of reconcile this with living in this other place? And, you know, I've been living in Switzerland for, now for so long, and the, am I partly Swiss now, and I have a Swiss girlfriend? I never, never really felt this. Um, perhaps that is related to the experiences I've had or I think it's more related to just a, a personality thing an inclination of the individual and it's the same as with my English and Filipino identity I never really found or, or felt as if I sat between them it always felt quite almost like a third way it's just an amalgamation a, a bricolage um, and this is you know what I am so whilst I can completely understand this idea of being in between, um, for me, it's more a negotiation. Um, so, for example, if you move to a place where some of the, the ideas or the morals or the etiquette is different to where you come from, um, you have a responsibility, of course, to negotiate and adapt yourself um, lest you become that person who's like, that's not where we do it, where I'm from. Uh, you have to kind of negotiate halfway. 
in this light, I found a lot of possibility. It's a very kind of thrilling space to feel that the identity of yourself, you can construct it as you like. You're in complete power of that. Um, you can take on certain experiences and ideas and influences from other places. So the in-between is almost, I feel from my perspective, a place where you also place yourself. Um, I think it's not necessarily um, a place that is always everyone from separate cultures. You, you feel like you're always in between. I always think that there is something so valuable in uh, talking to people whom you really respect, whose uh, outlook on the world you admire and uh, whose ideas and the way they live their life and then finding out that their opinion on something is uh, completely different than yours because I think in that space where there's already so much respect and appreciation there's so much to learn and so much to grow and uh, for me it was really interesting to hear that uh, yeah the in-between might could be seen as a place where you place yourself at the same time I feel like for many people I talk to the in-between was maybe somewhere where they placed themselves but also other people kept placing them or uh in the in-between or kind of uh, you're not completely part of here and at the, other part, at the other place this person was also not completely part of there so they were kind of or it was depicted as uh, if they are pushed into this in-between but uh, it's so interesting to hear someone talk for whom this whole in-between is simply not an issue it's uh, liberating if anything and it's uh, yeah a question that was never really there and uh, to think at what extent do I and maybe also other people do we place it up onto ourselves? And uh, there was another topic uh, which we talked about on which we have very different views and that is uh, basically attachment. How attached we get to a place or how we approach it. So because there was nothing specific that, oh, wow, this place or necessarily that person or this group or this city, you know, it really touched me and uh, it's something that I'll always carry with me. It was more the case of, no, I go there in that time, in that space, I experienced and that was it. So when I leave, it was never necessarily difficult to detach myself. Um, it never felt like I was going there to set up something that was supposed to be life-changing like I have to have this experience here whether that's you know I only have a year here or oh I plan to stay here for the rest of my life um, I always was on the road as far as I considered even now I've been back in Switzerland for another year and I still consider myself on the road so to speak now I have attachments that uh, you know have much more consequences like a partner and things like this but also because my goal has never been to find an aspect of me that is perhaps missing or I haven't found yet um, there are very few things that keep me from the the ability to follow my curiosity to to leave again and this is also something that you know really fed into you know, what I call my movement practice which is um, essentially a more open exploration of the potential of the the, the physical body 
And um, what I found was very closely connected and worked quite well with this perspective of a physical practice and my, um, my history with, uh, with, with traveling um, was also this idea of being able to let go of certain things so you can renew again. Um, so you can add to that experience um, because in many cases, if you hold on to something from the past, regardless of whether it's a good or a bad experience or anything like this, uh, inevitably occupies um, a space where something else that could contribute quite equally might be able to come in. Um, so for example, um, if you're exploring, you know, like a, if I'm exploring like a discipline and I decide to explore capoeira, and then I get so in love with capoeira and, you know, and I want to you know, stay there and learn everything about it, um, if I approached it with that perspective and became so invested, it would ultimately be of detriment to being able to explore other aspects that are involved in movement, whether that's a dance practice, whether that's a, you know, a, a combative martial arts practice. Um, so this idea of letting go, it started to reflect in uh, the types of philosophies that I started to be attracted to as well. Um, so for example, the perspectives of uh, Tao, um, the, from the, the Tao Te Ching and the idea of nothing is eternal and it's the only thing that's eternal is just the, the consistency of change and what I found uh, quite nice is the idea that how can you experience change or really accept change into your life if you can't let go and um, you have to be able to let go for that renewal um, to happen for that added experience to compound and um, one of the other philosophies um, that connected with this idea as well is um, the idea of just flux. Um, Heraclitus spoke about this, the idea of flux and change and described um, the experience of life uh, like a river and a river in which you cannot step twice. You cannot step in the same river twice because you are not the same person and it's not the same river. Um, these are ideas that affected me a lot because the river, you, it, it doesn't have to let go because it's always letting go. It's running constantly. And um, so this perspective of even if you step back into the river, it's not the same river. I've had this experience many times when, for example, I visit back to England or when I came back to Switzerland from being in other places, um, you never see it with the same eye. When uh, talking about this river, Jason actually tipped on something which, about which I had been thinking a lot, or especially lately I'm thinking about it again when I know that I will be leaving kind of soonish again, um, is this fear of not being able to step into the same river twice. So, of course, when you switch places a lot, eventually you notice that uh, life goes on in both places. Uh, although there are moments when you come back and you feel like nothing has changed. But uh, still, there are small changes, as Jason pointed out, every time. And uh, for me, especially with the people I am really close to, there's this big fear that uh, the river will move on, basically, which it definitely will, but... Uh, that I will go on developing in, in a certain direction, I will have new input, I will have new things that are important to me, new things I think about, and uh, so will the other person. And that somehow we might 
develop in different directions so that it's kind of hard to find each other again and that is something I'm always very very scared of when I leave because there is a certain comfort and there is a certain security of knowing we're in the same space we're having more or less similar experiences or we're able to exchange about the experiences we're having like all the time and I can you know step by step we can kind of follow each other's development and there definitely is this fear in me that uh, with some people that are really close to me what if we yeah develop in different directions without noticing it and when we meet again it won't be the same or like there is this this attachment in me to that I want to hold things uh, make them stay make them be the same so there's like this this whole anxiety of uh, yeah things changing which uh, yeah for me is so difficult and something so scary and uh, when I hear something like this uh, I'm just so amazed or like I'm like oh how do you do that because I am completely this person who gets so over attached every time to people to places as well but mostly to people and I find all the connections so valuable and so meaningful and uh, I'm so much looking for this special meaning in all the connections I have and all the activities I do and uh, so I'm I'm the complete opposite here and uh, for me it's it's so interesting to hear someone speak about it in such a different way yeah I wanted to know more about but then then how do you do it what what is your strategy like maybe to not get attached or to to not get too attached or in generally to how to approach this uh, changing of places or uh, yeah what kind of a, of an approach do you use um but as i said i drink that experience i take it with me and then it's no problem for me to leave um, this can be associated to as well if I, a personality thing, of course. I'm not such a type of person that gets so attached um, to you know, material things or even, you know, in many cases, people. Um, that doesn't mean I don't value certain people. It's not at all. But I respect that what we have now is in this place, in this time. And for me, whereas some people might see it as almost a, a perspective of oh you, you you can just leave so easily you don't care it's like no to the contrary I value it even more I value it even more in that moment in that time because I know that it's not going to be like this forever because whether it's I leave or the ultimate end of everyone leaves at some point it is coming it's inevitable what people often reflect on are these very very small things just a very small, like, uh, an image that they saw, a smell that they had, an experience of being in that, that time. But it's always very firmly located to that place and that, that, that moment of being there. Um, the very you know, experience of being there in that space, in that time. And I found this is something that I often did and practiced quite consciously when I was in these different places. When I was you know, in the middle of winter with a blizzard outside and I stopped my bike outside a, uh, a soup shop um, where they're selling you know a, a soup that I was told was you know, fantastic for this time of year uh, and I went to this uh, this this uh, soup kitchen in, in South Korea on the, the on Jeju-do where I was living and the speciality they were talking about was an iced soup 
His noodles served with ice. And I just came out from outside from a blizzard from my bike, freezing cold, ordered the, the super special dish from this place. And it's like this ice noodle. And I stopped halfway through and I just thought, here I am, here and now, and this is what's going down. Cool. And for me, that's what just the experience is. It's not even about that. That just is those moments that ultimately come together. And I personally, again, I don't say, oh, I wish I could go back to this, that soup, or I have any feelings against the soup at all. Um, but cumulatively, those small things, um, those are the things that stay with you, those sensations, those smells, those uh, feelings um, that for me come to you anyway if you're absorbing yourself in a place and not necessarily um, from a really specific connection and that is the, the meaning of it and that's what I'm looking for. It's like, no, it's just experience um if it's new if it's something i'm unfamiliar with is going to be valuable it might be difficult it might be um, something that i might not like but my liking is not necessarily part of that if my desire is just to experience and for me this is continues to be the practice mm -hmm.